Breakfast on SEN. The award-winning Ponting Wines bring to you the wonderful world of wine. It's the wonderful world of wine. Use the code SEN at checkout for free delivery if you don't mind. That's pontingwines.com.au. And joining us from Ponting Wines is a big-name guest. His name is Ricky Ponting. Ricky, thanks for your time. No worries, guys. What is the, the wine of choice this summer? What's your recommendation? Oh, look, it's always hard to go past the Tasmanian wines in our range, to be, to be totally honest, Kane. I'm obviously <laughs> born and bred down there, and I've made sure that I've got four uh, Tasmanian wines in the in the lineup: two Pinot Noirs, a Pinot Gris, and a Tasmanian Chardonnay. So I think anyone listener, listener out there that uh, wants to sample our wines, you won't go far wrong if you get into the Tasmanian. Have stuff. you got a, yes. a Have you got an exclusive paddock or a, a field? Hey, how you going, Pandora? It's Dermot here. Have you got an exclusive field that gives you your best wine? Oh, we've got a few regions in Tassie that we. I mean, basically, our, our wines are all from Tasmania and South Australia. So um, we don't we don't have we don't own a winery as such. We pretty much get our winemaker to hand hand pick um, grapes from certain regions that. That he knows uh, um, great wine producing areas, so he's he's based in the Clarenvale in South Australia, so he knows you know Adelaide like South Australia like the back of his hand, and he goes around and hand selects um, from South Australia, and then it's up to me to get down to my home state and basically go door knocking to all the great <laughs> vineyards and wineries down there and see what uh, they're willing to give up for us. But um, so that's where we're at at the moment. You know, we're about four years into the the business now. The the vision is to one day eventually own our own vineyard um, and winery and, and probably have a little cellar door somewhere as well, but that's uh, that's a fair way down the track yet. Awesome, mate. I'll get into a Pinot Noir uh, as soon as possible. Hey, we heard a lot about the West Indies, you know, not fielding the best team possible. And I was thinking back to a, a couple of seasons ago, I saw young players on the rise, uh, like Shim Hetmeyer. He's 27 now, hasn't played test cricket for four years. Why can't they keep these boys playing test cricket at what should be the peak time of their career, you know, like late 20s to early 30s. I mean, it would be a different world for them. Oh, there's no doubt about that, Dermot. I mean, they've got guys like Nicholas Poren as well. I know, you, I know you love your cricket, but they've, you know, they've got their best talented, most talented players are not playing international cricket because of um, how little they're getting paid for their national contracts, basically. I mean, I, I think... The top, the top West Indian contract, and I might be, I might be a little bit out here, but I think the top, top West Indian international contract is probably somewhere around a, 150 to 200 thousand US dollars. That's to play, obviously, to play T20s one day as, and Test cricket for your country. And mm. guys like Hetmyer and Poren are playing, you know, in South Africa at the moment or in the UAE at the moment, probably making, you know, four or five times that for a two-month tournament uh, to play T20 domestic cricket, um, franchise cricket. So. You know, I've said for years that with countries like the West Indies and you know even even Sri Lanka and, and New Zealand even to to that matter, the, the ICC have to really take control and somehow have, um, you know, almost like a, a blanket policy, if you like, on on match payments or or um, minimum contracts for international players. Otherwise, the international game is going to get diluted more and more every year, and we're going to have countries falling, um, you know, off from the top of the test charts where the West Indies were 20 or 30 years ago to to now not even being good enough to qualify for a men's um, World Cup 50 over tournament. So, you know, their, their decline has been quite dramatic and, you know, I can't see how it's going to improve. I mean, you saw, them, you saw it last week, right? Like we talk, they're talking up about 
that this is their, some of their best young talent they've got in the country. And, you know, a test match in Adelaide last seven sessions. So mm. it's definitely going to be a long way back with the West Indies. Yeah, I mean, it, it used to be that it, no matter where you came from, West Indies were your second favourite team because they were so flamboyant to, to watch them. Whether you love fast bowling, you got to see the world's best fast bowlers or you, or you got to see the likes of Viv Richards, Richie Richardson, oh, those types of blokes. Yeah, And it seems to be that... You're never going to get a group of that talent again, all at once again. But you're going to get some talented players coming through. I mean, Andre Russell, that type of player, if you get them all at the one time, they're going to be a formidable team. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. The ICC needs to step in some way. But then it works. It has to work out where the money is derived from, how they generate that money. But let's let's move on to the test cricket. What are you seeing happening this Thursday in the uh, in the game uh, upcoming test? Well, it could very much be much of the same unfortunately from what we saw in Adelaide. I mean, I think, you know, the wickets that we saw in Adelaide um, you know, provided quite a bit for the fast bowlers. It has to be said there was a, quite a bit of seam movement in, in that surface down there and you know, we go up to Brisbane um, in a pink ball night game. You'd expect there to be similar sort of movement up up there as well. So it's going to take a, a huge turnaround in and a swing in, um, in in form from that West Indian team to make it anything other than probably what we saw in Adelaide. To be to be totally honest, I mean the, the talent and um, the skill level is just not quite there yet. You know, is the track guys. fast? Is it going to be fast and sharp? Um, it, well, it normally is. It normally, you know, in Brisbane, it normally starts a little bit slow up there um, just because they leave, normally leave a little bit of moisture in it at the start of the game. Um, and the grass is normally, you know, quite thick and quite long day one. And uh, as the game goes on up in Brisbane, it tends to harden up a little bit and get a bit faster and, and bouncier. So that you think that's the way to be. Um, and But as you, the other thing in, in Brisbane as well, if you do get some overhead conditions and you're, and you're batting under lights there against that pink ball, it, it won't be easy for anyone, let alone... You know, not just the West Indian guys, but we saw even the Australian batters, with, with the exception of Travis Ed, um, mostly struggled in Adelaide as well. So it won't be easy batting conditions, um, So, but hopefully the West Indies can find a way to be a bit more competitive than they were last week. Now, we've, we were talking about it earlier. We've got the text machines run off its face. I'm not comfortable with seeing an opening bat fidget and jump around the crease and do all those <laughs> things that Steve Smith does. He's one of the greatest batsmen we've ever laid eyes on. I just struggle to see an opener doing that, and I would hate to see an opener doing that against the English, the New Zealand, or or the Indian teams. Yeah, look, I was as surprised as anybody, really. You know, when that when that story first broke, that he put his hand up and said he was willing to do it. As soon as I heard that, I thought, well, that's definitely the way they're going to go then, because they, you, you could see how desperate they were to get Cameron Green back back into the side. Um, which, by the way, I don't necessarily agree with either. I, I you know, I was pretty open saying that I, I felt they had to pick the the, the most inform and, and highest run scoring opening batsman from domestic cricket, and at the, at the at the time that was Cameron Bancroft. I thought he deserved to get picked on the on the work that he's done over the last couple of years. I think he's averaged over 50 the last couple of years in in first class cricket, and I just think it sends you know it sends a, a lot of bad messages. I believe to to the. the can I interject there, punter? Can 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 I interject there on Cameron Bancroft? There is a, a, a thought that he could be like a Graham Hick. He will belt up the first class bowlers, but will he be a long term success? Uh, and he's might have had enough opportunity in the past to show that there is that way of thinking. How do you view that? 
Uh, look, I think there can always be that way of thinking about anyone until you give them um, a bit of exposure and see what they're actually going to be like. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I guess, you know, way you can look at it and, and, you know, with you and Kane there, you can look at it with AFL footballers as well, right? Like a lot of those, you, you always talk about 30 to 50 games into these guys before you sort of start them, start to see them develop into the player that they can be. Well, it's, so it's, it's, it's got to be the same. It's got to be the same with cricket as well. You know, these... Bancroft was picked reasonably young, didn't have a lot of first-class cricket under his belt, and the only way you get better is by um, playing against the best for long periods of time. I mean, you go back. Let's go back to Steve Smith, go back to Kawaja, um, go back to Travis Head. Where, where have these guys um, developed into really good international players after they've been around the setup for a while and, and learned what they need to do to be successful at international level? So, um, I mean, there's no there's no doubt that, that Cameron Green is a you know highly talented player. Um, but you know his first class record is only the same as Bancroft's, and his Test record is about average about thirty with the bat. So they, we haven't seen the best of him yet either. But they're they're pinning their, I guess their their beliefs and and trust in him that he will turn into a, a generational player that we all think he might. What are you what are you seeing with him, um, punter Cam? We we discuss him a lot. I mean the the, the plaudits and the praise on him has been like well, I've called him the most overhyped. Australian athlete currently now that may be a big statement and a lot of people disagree with that but technically you're as good as anyone what are you seeing with his game and are there any concerns or are you confident he'll get there in time um yeah look look I haven't seen as much I've seen obviously the, t- the test international cricket he's played I've seen a bit of that I've seen a bit of his one day stuff for Australia I've seen, I've seen a bit of him in the IPL I mean I think he's still got a long way to go with his batting I, I think he's bowling in test cricket I think um you know, has been pretty good. He, you know, it, it, to bowl the sort of pace he bowls from the height that he does and then to be able to move the ball like he does, he's pretty impressive with the ball. Um, but I think technically batting-wise, he doesn't look to me yet like he's sort of worked out what the right rhythm and tempo is with, as far as his test batting is concerned. And, and, and like we were talking about Bancroft, the only way that's going to change is by giving him the exposure and getting him out there and making him learn uh, and in, in the heat of battle. So there's still, there's definitely, still definitely a work in progress. Uh, and... Um, you know the thing—he's quite a nervous young bloke as well, from all accounts. So, and you can—I reckon you can see that by the way that he that he bats. It's, it's a bit, it seems to be a very nervy sort of um, defensive-minded approach to his batting. Um, so, mm. but the more he plays, hopefully he can change that and free up his mind a little bit, and he can dominate Test cricket the way that he's dominated first-class cricket for the last few years for Western Australia. Enjoyed your coverage of, of the game last night. Brisbane Heat getting it done by 54 runs against the Strikers and in particular the innings from Josh Brown. You, you were speaking about what an innings like that can do to someone's career in, in modern cricket with T20 and, and how that can launch you into stardom. I mean, what can an innings like that do for, for Josh Brown? He's probably taken phone calls last night and this morning from most domestic comps around the world, I'd yeah. imagine. I mean, there's a, there's a couple. I mean, the UAE comp, the ILT20 is happening uh, now over, over in um, Abu Dhabi. Uh, um, and I think that competition alone can have, uh, I think it's nine overseas players in each team. Um, you know, it only takes a, a couple of breakout performances like that. You know, J- Jake Fraser-McGurk's over there playing in that competition at the moment in between the end of the Big Bash and when... Uh, Australian Sheffield Shield cricket starts again. So there are huge opportunities now. You know, there's MLC, that Major League Cricket in America, that's really going to take off the next couple of years. That sort of runs through July, which is obviously the off-season for Australian players. So there are there are huge opportunities. And I've seen it happen um, a lot in the past, where you know, having coached in the, the IPL for a number of years now, that, um, you know, if anyone has a couple of standout performances. It doesn't matter if they've been heard of before, if they're, they're star players or youngsters on the rise. If they have a couple of 
really good performances just before that IPL option, then you know their their value normally goes through the roof, and that could easily happen with Josh Brown. I know it's a, I know it's pretty much a, a one-off that innings he played last night, but you, you can that that ball striking talent is, is there, and um, you know if, if he can work out the right way to go about his T20 cricket from here on with the power that he's got, then he could easily find himself in a, a few other franchises around the world. Yeah, so uh, I just watched the highlight package of it this morning and it, it just made me think of the decision to let Chris Lynn go. Do, would they have seen this in him saying, well, we've got another bloke who can strike just as well and and all of us would have said, oh, that's rubbish. No one strikes it as well as, as Chris Lynn in the domestic competition of the BBL, but this bloke did last night. Yeah, he's done it, apparently done it around um, Brisbane grade cricket for the last few years, which is why he sort of popped up on the, the BBL radar last year. Um, I mean, he's still, he's still very raw, and I sort of said it last night as well. There's still there's still a, a hint of that, you know, that just that club cricketer about him, if you like, the way he goes about his cricket, even he's running between the wickets and the way he sort of, you know, blind turned a few times <laughs> last night, sort of turned the wrong way. Like that, all, all that sort of stuff is sort of traits of the of the weekend club cricketer, but there's no doubting his ball striking ability. I mean, that, that last night, some of the six six hitting last night, it's, it's, it's pretty effortless power with him. He's a, he's a big, strong guy, but to be able to hit the ball um, pretty much oh, about 270 degrees around the ground. If you look at it yesterday, like he hit a lot of um, off the spinners behind square leg side. He hit the fast bowlers straight down the ground and over extra cover. Um, it was it was very impressive. And, you know, if if, if the Brisbane Heat can get him to do that again in the final um, tomorrow, then that'll be hard to beat once again. Yeah, that strike over extra cover over long off is just extraordinary. And Panda, some of us have to just blind turn with the bat in the right hand because it's our quickest leg. We just put the head down and go because <laughs> we just we know we have to get there. Yeah, it was interesting. It was funny with him last night because he I don't know if you, how closely you watched it, but there was one instance last night where he's running down the wicket with his bat in his left hand because the ball had gone on the offside. But when he got to the crease, he changed, changed over into his right hand and turned his back to the to where the ball was coming from and got in and out. So, and actually, as, and to be honest, to be fair, um, as well, he, he actually didn't field in the in the fielding innings because he he was carrying a bit of a sore hip. So he might he might have been turning on his good hip and not his bad one. Ricky Ponting is with us from Ponting Wines, pontingwines.com.au. Now, Ricky, before we let you go, I had a bit of a crack at you after. Uh, a game between the Thunder and the Scorchers where you called the pitch substandard. I said that batsmen need to harden up a little bit and not be as precious. Because I like a wicket that does a bit and gives the bowlers some love. Was I off yeah. the mark? And what is your what is your ideal pitch? Uh, no, no, I don't, I don't mind seeing that at all. Because quite, quite often, Kane, those sort of wickets lead to the best games a lot of the time. You know, some of the, the lower scoring one days or T20s can quite often, often be the most entertaining to watch. But the point I was making about that one that day is um, as long as as long as the home team knows the way that the wicket is going to play, then it's okay. Because you, mm. you think about the way you put your squad together, the the player draft that you enter, you enter into, you're quite often picking players on what you think your home conditions are going to be like. And then when you turn up one week and you've got a, a really good um, flat wicket that doesn't spin and you, you rock up on the same pitch only a few days later and it's turning square, then... And the and and the home team doesn't know the way it's going to play. Then that's what makes it, it makes it difficult. And it, yeah. it can be like I was saying on air that night. You know that can be a a real turnoff for for young players. You know the Sydney Thunder. Um, and one of the other points I was trying to make that night. The Sydney Thunder has been a sort of a struggling um, BBL team for for a few years now. And if they produce wickets like that 
more often than not, then you're going to see a lot of young Australian batsmen that want to go to venues and school big runs. They're going to turn away the opportunity to go and play there. So, um, it, it, look, it, as I said, it's, it, I'm sure they didn't mean to prepare it that way and groundsmen can't get it right all the time. But, you know, when you can see, and nothing against Ash and Agar, but when Ash and Agar can bowl four others for six or whatever he bowled that, that day, that says to me that the wicket probably wasn't up to scratch. All right, conscious of your time, uh, a couple of texts coming through. Pass mark wins-wise for your Kangaroos this year. What's a pass mark? <laughs> oh, um, well, you, you two are better judges than me than that. So no. what, what they've only won about, what have they won? They've won four games in the last four years, something like that. Yeah. So um, pass mark. Um, mm. I'm saying six wins will be a pass mark. Yeah. I'm saying seven, pass mark yeah. punter will be just improved. Doesn't matter Best if you improve. win more or win less. Can they, well, Kane, can we win six games? Yeah, you can win six. Yeah, that that would be yeah. a, a pass mark for me. I think you get to, I think you get to seven this year, Ricky. We will see you the final between the Sydney Sixers and the Brisbane Heat. That's tomorrow. Then for Channel Seven, the first day of the second test against the West Indies on Thursday. Mate, appreciate your time, and we will definitely check out Ponting Wines. Pontingwines.com.au. You just got to use the SEN. Uh, code at checkout for free delivery. Appreciate your time. Cheers, Panda. Good on you guys. Cheers, guys. Ricky Ponting there, our guest.